Take your Bibles and turn to Nahum chapter 3 and verse 5. Nahum chapter 3 verse 5. As I preach a sermon tonight titled, Consider Yourself Warned. Now Mrs. Whiteman saw me this morning after she saw that uh, title and she says, I've got a story for you to tell. So I'm going to tell you that story. Two preachers in front of their church had put some signs right out there for everybody to see. I mean, big words so everybody could read it plainly. Beware. Turn around. Stop. You're headed in the wrong direction. Turn to the right. And boy, cars come by and honk their horns. You idiot! You know, and yell out the window at them. And after about the third truck went by and they heard that three times in a row, all of a sudden you'd hear this, kaboom, you know. Finally, one of the preachers said to the other, you think we ought to just write down bridge out? <laughs> and, and some of you ladies can explain that one to your husbands when you get home, okay? All right. Nahum chapter 3 and verse 5. There we read, Behold, I am against thee. Aren't those fearful words? I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord, the one in charge of all of heaven's armies against you. That, would, that should scare anyone to death. He says, Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will discover thy skirts upon thy face, and I will show the nations thy nakedness and the kingdoms thy shame. Now shall we pray, Father, Help us to rightly divide your word tonight, preaching it in the full love of God, but also in the fear of God. Help us to fear God more so that we would not water down his word tonight, but speak the truth as it is to men as they are. And now, Father, I pray that in this message tonight, it would make each of us keenly aware of responsibility before God. In Jesus Christ's precious and holy name we pray it. Amen. Well, we looked at verse 4 this morning, and we found out what makes God angry. In verse 5, we find out tonight what he's going to do about it. This morning, we saw the actual act of physical adultery as well as spiritual adultery. And God judges both very severely. The Lord judges that, as he said and promised in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. Marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. This is true spiritually. It is true morally. It's important to learn what God says and learn that he says what he means, but also understand he means what he says. Okay? There's no veil over what he's saying. Uh, for an example, Proverbs 29, 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. And by the way, whereas we think of the unsaved there, also remember the Christian, the saved. God warns, God warns, God warns, and then, boom, chastening comes. Some slept early in Corinth. In Proverbs 20, 14, and 15, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, 
Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Eternity in the lake of fire in hell. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He repeats it again in uh, Luke 13, 5, just two verses later. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Speaking of hell. And my friend, what I'm trying to say to you is that the Lord says what He means, and He means what He says. Now, <clears throat> some may think, well, this is far away, and there is yet time for me. But remember, there is, it comes at a time when you think not, the Son of Man cometh. When He moves in judgment, it is swift judgment. Don't be so foolish as to take a chance with your eternity. If you're sitting in this auditorium, you come regularly. But you're really doubting whether or not you're saved. But you're worried to do about anything about it because, because you think of the people around you. What will they think? Well, if you're cast to the lake of fire, they'll think you're completely stupid for worrying about what they would think now. To be quite honest with you, people that love God will th think, praise the Lord. Self-righteous people think, oh, they don't know what's going on. Don't pay attention to self-righteous people. Uh, they, they, they will have a hard time in heaven when they're at the bottom of the totem pole. So you just stay true and do what God have you to do, but make sure of your salvation. Now see the focus here on Nineveh in our text. They are without excuse. As will anyone who appears at that great white throne judgment where the unsaved will be coming before God. Or the judgment seat of Christ, when those that are saved so as by fire, and they see that there's nothing now that they can do about it, but just to be saved so as by fire. Nineveh had a distant past testimony that was good. Jonah preached to them. He preached to them, and they repented, and it kept the Lord from destroying Nineveh which he would have done in 40 days. As he said, they believed it and they repented at the preaching of Jonah. More recently, that was 150 years earlier, more recently in Nineveh's history, there was 185,000 of the Assyrian soldiers who were surrounding Jerusalem. They thought that they would attack God's chosen people who were at that time under the righteous reign of King Hezekiah. And by all practical standards, it seemed like there was no hope for Jerusalem. But when the Lord God is your hope, it means victory. And so that is exactly what happened. And 185,000 were destroyed in one night. But that also should have served as a testimony more recent to Nineveh. But this nation had sunk morally and violently, even to what we'd call pre-flood levels that so stirred the heart of God that he destroyed the world with a flood of waters. This country became blasphemers of God. They thought that their great power, their great position in, in the world, the number one position in the world was because of their cunning, their ability and their power, instead of knowing that God allowed it. Now it has repented 
of their repentance. Under Jonah, Nineveh had repented, but now they repent of that repentance. At one time, this nation, Nineveh, turned to God. Now, let me say this, and, and hear me out on this before you jump to a conclusion, okay? There has never been a Christian nation. By that, I mean a Christian nation by the definition of the word Christian, which includes Christ-like and holy. There has never been a Christ-like and holy nation. However, what we mean by a Christian nation is when it is governed by what is referred to as the Judeo-Christian ethic. It upholds morals, ethics, honor, respect for God, In its nation, with a system of laws, patterned after those laws of the Word of God in men's relationship to one another, and a system of punishment for those who break those laws. Those are things given by God. And a nation that keeps those things is a nation that honors God. However, all nations that forget God will be turned from these, that turn from these things shall be turned into hell, Psalms chapter 9 and verse 17 tells us. Abortion, homosexual marriage, homosexuality itself, the filth of a system that outlaws God from the public fanfare. That government is in grave danger of the judgment of God, regardless of its seeming prosperity. Now, you've heard me mention of the past. My years of, of pre-college were in the 50s and 60s, so elementary and high school were in the 50s and 60s. I've mentioned how it was in that distant past. Prayer and Bible was in the schools. Preachers would speak in our school. We'd turn on those televisions and wait a minute and a half for it to come on. Black and white. But there was no Hollywood cussing and nudity. For the most part in this country, marriages would stay together. But that past is very distant now. It seems somewhat gone. And as I look into my present life future, as well as the future of this country, I see a shrinking and closing window for the present. Although my eternal future is great, but that doesn't take away the pain we should feel for our country if it does not repent. God will judge. So I must ask a question that was asked in the Bible at different times, but it still stands for us today. This question was asked in the Old Testament. It was asked in Genesis. It was asked in, in the book of Luke. This is a question that was asked in, in those days of the Bible. Is anything too hard for God? Then we must fear God 
and seek revival in this country. The religion of Nineveh was very seductive to the flesh. It lost all reverence for a holy God. People no longer wanted a religion that restricted their animal instincts. Their religion had become, as the high priest Joshua in the book of Zechariah, who was standing there in filthy garments and dirty garments, and, 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 and the Lord had to have him clean those garments and, and get him prepared to minister to him in a right way. Uh, the filthy clothing was not something that would honor God in his dress. Isn't it interesting in the worship of God, he was concerned about how people dressed? Uh, remember he talked of destroying Israel in the wilderness when they took off their clothes and danced? You may not think it's important. Well, that's the Old Testament. Don't be a legalist. Again, when you say things like that, you're showing utter ignorance. You're better to keep your mouth shut. Okay. But if you think it's all right to dress down like that, go into court one day that way. And say, oh, judge, you're just a legalist now. You need to just straighten out and shut up. And you can still say that again from your cell, okay? Uh, why, why is there a higher standard for the world on, on those grounds than there is for the Word of God and the love and respect for the King of kings and the God of gods, the creator of the universe? My goodness. The shame is not the world does that. That's the way the world is. The shame is Christians get on board and do that. His inner man, Joshua's, had to be cleansed before it could do the ministry to which God had called him. I believe that God may well have called some, some young men and others to ministry but they were duped into believing the fleshly appeal was necessary to please God. For man could not be reached by the word of God, but he needed a base appeal to his carnal debauched nature in order to move man. That doesn't move man to God. That moves man to another Jesus, another thing that will not get them to heaven. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5, Thus saith the Lord, okay, thus saith the Lord. Get that in your mind. Thus saith the Lord. Now, if God's saying this, then it's very important. Cursed. Wow. If God says somebody's cursed, they're cursed. Thus saith the Lord, cursed. Be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm. What are these corrupted Bible versions? What are these uh, rock and roll music things? What are they? They are making flesh the arm. He says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. That is, he departs from the way the word tells him. He departs from holiness and decides he's got to follow the way of the flesh. 
As Israel decided, hey, we want to worship like the other countries worship their gods, they did, and they lost it all. Now, there must be a coming clean and a reverence. A reverence for God's person, a reverence for God's house. And that is a must for a true Holy Ghost sent revival in order to stay the hand of the judgment of God. Not only on America, but on the local church, for judgment begins at the house of God. I have a note. I think I wrote it down and put it in my pocket somewhere, but it just I just read it. So I said, I'm going to be able to use that someday. I didn't think I was going to use it tonight, but I will use it right now. The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God to the point that they may know and enter into a deep personal knowledge and relationship with Him. In this matter, He delights to learn of him, and enter his presence. He tastes and knows the inner sweetness in the inner sanctum of his very being, of the very God himself, yes, even in the core of his spirit and heart. You see, you don't get that from just a casual reading of the word of God. It's seeking to know his person. If Christians don't get to know, and and listen, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him. Guy had suffered greatly for the name of Christ, but he realized there was so much more to know about him intimately. And there is, if you think that you've arrived, I haven't. But if you think you have arrived and you know all there is to know about God, you are in for a rude awakening when the rapture comes. Now, there must be a coming clean then and a reverence for God, His house, and His person. If not, then just read the list in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, which includes adultery, homosexuality, but also disobedient to parents. Things that people say, well, you know, that's just growing up. Well, the Lord views it very, very seriously. As well as a host of other sins that is there. We just pick one or two of those sins and, you know, we take the one about men with men and doing that which is unseemly. And we, we like to take that out and say, God, Oh, boy, God will give those kind up. God didn't stop there. He listed all those others with it. Men don't repent. See, our idea of holiness is far different than what God's idea of holiness, because God is holy. If we knew how holy God was, we'd realize how filthy we are. 
If there is not a revival and repentance in the local churches over these things with their immodest dress in God's house, their central flesh exciting music, and their rebellion against the holiness of God, then expect judgment to come at the house of the Lord. Expect judgment and destruction to come to this country. He is tired of God's people holding the truth in unrighteousness with a total lack of reverence for His great and holy name. Judgment will begin at the house of God. And I believe that God is warning America even now. There have been weather problems, natural disasters, terror attacks. Hey, it's kind of like the guy that He's had three heart attacks. And the doctor says, you need to lose 100 pounds and you need to start eating this way. The guy says, oh, the doctor knows, doesn't know anything he's talking about. The next heart attack kills him. When he could have been saved. Because the hardness of his understanding and the hardness of the rebellious spirit against being told anything keeps him from taking care of his body. And there are people that name the name of Christ that the hardness in their heart does not allow them to submit themselves to the holiness of God, to his word and to his truth. They're more sold on philosophies than they are the truth of God's word. Don't be surprised. God judges America on the local level, but on the national level as well. Don't think that financial prosperity in this country is a guarantee that we're all right. It didn't work for Nineveh, and it was the richest nation in the world when it fell. The richest city ever to that point when it fell. In our text again, it says, I will discover thy skirts in, uh, upon thy face. I will show the nations thy nakedness and the kingdoms thy shame. It is not the foreign nation or the foreign religion. God is only using that throughout the Bible. Sometimes he'll use a sinful nation to bring down another nation that's turned its back on God. The skirts on the face is as one caught in the act as in John chapter 8 when they took the woman caught in the very act of adultery and they were going to stone her. The nakedness of the power to save ourselves. And the shame before the world in our land is clearly seen as there's no power in our prayers, nor is there power in our pulpits. I've told you folks many times, pray for me to have boldness and to pray for me to have utterance. By utterance we mean that no one can be indifferent to the Word of God. That doesn't mean... They all get happy about it. I wish they would, but they can't be indifferent. They can't be apathetic. It either makes them happy or it makes them mad, but the goal is that the Word of God would be effective in their heart. And this is the Lord of hosts saying this in our text. God does not lie. Don't get a romanticist attitude that everything will be all right. Everything's all right. In God's house, everything is all right. If it doesn't repent, you'll find out everything in God's house is not all right. 
Listen, if we don't repent in our local churches and take up the mantle and pray for revival in our country to stand against the nightclub and humanistic morals in the church, let alone the sin of our country, we are headed for destruction. With the changing of the versions of the Bible, using the corrupt text in order to compromise clear scriptural commands, well, watering down preaching with self-esteem make me feel good about myself. In a works religion, that'll certainly doom a nation, even if it's America, if God does not come immediately. Churches have this thing now, hey, let's go out as a church, we'll go out and we'll pick up the garbage around the, pick up trash, and then we'll go around and we'll do this other thing. Oh, these are such wonderful words. And they go out dressed like the world, looking like the world, and they go out doing these wonderful works. Uh, what about the gospel? Listen, you don't have to get together as a church to go out and pick up trash off the side of the road. You can do that yourself. If that's important, maybe that'll show more of a Christian testimony than something that we're doing as a group. Use your time to go out and witness the gospel. Somebody sees you picking up trash. Hey, yes, uh, I'm doing this because Jesus Christ is my Savior. One day I realized I was a sinner and I needed to repent of my sin and just trust the shed blood of Jesus Christ who died for me and was buried and rose from the dead because I know that is the only way to heaven. And you see, those, they don't go that far. They only go in their good work, a social gospel. It's marketing. It's good marketing as far as numbers, but it's a terrible thing as far as souls going to hell. Now, again, we need to get things right. And may I say, what a blasphemy it is with Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up to show no holy thanks or honor in a day of that should be rest and a reflection on the sacrifice he came to make for us. Now look, God doesn't need America. America needs God. But God does want America to be righteous. He would love to use America if it will repent and turn to Him. But we must reach this country with His holy word, not with Hollywood's tactics. We must call to repentance and faith. That must start in the church, by the way. Perhaps the most patriotic thing that you can do if you want to be patriotic as an American is take the gospel to lost and dying Americans. The total destruction of Nineveh is told through the prophet Nahum. The future destruction in the tribulation is coming. Now realize what, when this was written of Nahum's day, it hadn't happened yet. But it did happen exactly like he said it would. We read in Revelation 14, verses 18 through 20, that there is coming a day at Armageddon where blood will flow to the horse's bridle. 
We're told in Revelation 19 verses 11 through 21, there's coming a day when that world leader that is so powerful and the, the false prophet that has deceived so many multitudes will be cast into that everlasting lake of fire. We're told of a day in Revelation 20, 14, and 15, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That day is coming. That is assured. Our thing is to say we can't stop the day, but we can get on the right side. We need to look at this present warning for the local churches now. We cannot depend on others. I must be a watchman for this local church, whether others are watchmen in their churches or not. God has given me a personal responsibility right here. We can only do as John the Baptist and warn you of the wrath to come. And it's going to come presently if there's no repentance. In Nineveh said the skirt was on their face. Now in that day they paraded the women when they captured them and they prayed them out into captivity that way. It was a slam on the king and the leaders of that country when they did that with their women and the harems that they had. But just think in judgment when the morality of men's hearts are fully revealed and the books are open and read, detailing the thoughts and the intents of the heart, as well as the life of sin and iniquity. Yes, when the citizens and religion of a nation becomes depraved and debauched, all will soon be revealed her skirts upon her face, and the kingdom of the nations and the nations. See the shame of her nakedness. And we see that although we have this advanced technology and creature comforts, the tribal, animal, morals, Entering into the most remote as well as the most populated centers of a country. When those things become accepted and normal, do you know that this thing of, of homosexual marriage being recognized by our country is not a new thing? They actually found writings that shows that it was also they found it through their discoveries. It was also in, in Sodom. How did that work out? There's no one at the white throne judgment that will be able to hold their head up proudly when all is known. Naked and open, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 13 says, verses 12 and 13. However, I wonder about at that white throne judgment, and if you're saved, you're only there as a spectator. If you're there, not as one that 
is going to be judged there. You're at the judgment seat of Christ and you either got rewards or you didn't. But you see these people being cast into an eternal lake of fire. Imagine one looking at you. That you were brought into their presence. Look. If it's somebody I've never met, I'm not responsible for that soul. But if I can get out and, and God wants me to go knock on the doors and, and I don't go, then I am responsible. Ezekiel 33, 8, 9, when I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. Thou, if, if thou dost not speak to the, warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. In other words, the responsibility, the blood on your hands will not be there. Now, I've heard people get upset and say, well, that is too hard. They shouldn't say that. that say blood. That, that, that is a terrible thing to say. How can a Christian be happy and know that? I, I wouldn't think you can be happy. If you want to let people go to hell, you can't be happy. But to try to say, well, then, because it doesn't make me feel good, uh, that's not true. No, God just said it here for, that's not, these are not my words I'm reading, by the way. That was his words. You know, you either believe it or you call him a liar, one of the two. He said the blood is on your hands. In other words, their life was cast into the lake of fire for eternity. There are rewards for those that witness the gospel. By the way, it lets us know they're already laid up. That's why we count the loss. And as those rewards are counted and they're lost because that blood is on our hands. Loss of reward, saved so as by fire, Religious works do not replace biblical command in the service of our God. Remember Jesus telling his disciples as he sent them out, Whosoever shall give you a cup of cold water in my name or in a disciple's name shall not lose their reward. Now understand, getting a cup of cold water in that day was not the idea of going to the faucet and turning on the faucet. No. In that day, it was taking a clay pot and walking oftentimes to the center of the city and lowering that bucket down in there to bring up some water from down deep in the cool well. To bring it up and bring it out, put it in that clay pot, and then carry that clay pot back to the house to give them a cup of cold water. In other words, it wasn't service by convenience. But it was a service that says, I'm doing this because this is a man of God. These are God's missionaries. These are God's people. And I'm going to do what I can. He said they would not lose their reward. But in Christ saying they would not lose their reward, guess what that means? Rewards can be lost. Rewards can be lost. And that tells us then that we must be sure that we are in God's word, that we know God's word, that we know what he expects, and that we do it, and we do it because we love him as the motive in our heart. It's abundantly clear 
that there is no deceit at the judgment seat of Christ nor at the white throne. Nothing hidden. So 1 John 2.28, Now little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his, com- at his coming. It's one of two ways. The love thing is, it can be confidence. That's a man, that's a woman that loves God. And that is why it is so very important that you and I bring the saving gospel to a lost and dying world. That's why we have faith promise. That's why we have bus ministry. That's why we have radio ministry. Taking the gospel to a lost and dying world. And that is why it's so important for you and I Stay true to the Word of God. Now, the world will either by free will accept it or reject it. It's not our duty if they reject it. He said, you've delivered your soul. So, I've said all that to say this. You've been warned ahead of time of these days. But also you've been warned of your responsibility. Let me, let me use this. I've got to clarify this before I use it. I'm going to give you an illustration. I am definitely not promoting a political person in this. I'm not promoting a political side. But it makes a great illustration. Okay? And, and President Trump. Now... Most of this crowd is probably pleased with the things that have been done economically for Israel, all those things as, as Brother Randy taught tonight, and, and, and recognizing Jerusalem as their capital and so many other things. But that's not what I'm trying to point out as are his policies. What I'm saying is this. He spoke out and said, I'm going to do this. Now, I don't know how many elections I've been through. Ever since I was able to start voting, I voted in every one of them. But here's the thing. In nearly every one of them, those promises were never kept. This guy started out and said, I'm going to do this. When media and other people got upset, boy, I mean, they attacked his person, they attacked his family, they attacked everything about him, lied and everything else. But you know what? He didn't go from it. Whether it's economy, whether it's, it's border protection or, or whatever else, he did not go from it. He stuck with it, and then things started to progress. The economy straightened out, and we saw other things happen. Now, I'm saying that to say this. Convinced that it was right, he did it regardless of the opposition. And that's of secular things. Now, there's some part of that spiritual. I'm not going to get into that right now. I'm just saying that is secular things. If, if a man is willing to take what he's taken for secular things, how much do we believe in the principles of God's Word, the truth of God's Word, that we'll stand for it regardless of what comes at us? If he can take it for those things, why can't we take it for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? See, you might, you might see the need, but there's a fear to stand unless others stand with you. 
Well, you may have to be as the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. No man stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. We may need to make some things right. We may understand that some things, when we make them right, they oppose our dignity. They oppose our pride. And is it more important for us to maintain a certain dignity and respect of man than it is to stand up for Jesus and accomplish his will? Are we willing to stand even if every fellow believer in our local church did not stand? But it's God's word and it's right. Are you willing to stand? You see, that's the difference between victorious Christianity and a Christianity that instead of its faith being in the Lord in its service, it's looking on how others react. If that's your vision, your life is going to be a losing Christian life. Stand up for Jesus. Let's bow our heads.